Good morning and uh, welcome to everybody, whether you're here in the sanctuary or on Zoom. It's lovely to be together again to, to worship God. Let me begin by reading Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the soundings of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nations, sorry, the nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. I'm very sorry, but as you know, those of you in the sanctuary can't literally sing aloud, but you can sing in your hearts. And those of you at home um, can, obviously you, you can sing. So let's, let's do what that, that Psalm said um, and sing praises to our God. Son 
praise to God. One day it's, it's our destiny that we will be in a place where we will be praising unbroken praise. But for now, Lord, um, we, we bring you what's in our hearts. So if you're in the sanctuary and you'd like to pray words of praise, just put your hand up and Adrian will bring the mic. If you're at home, then um, unmute yourself to pray and then mute yourself afterwards. Again. Thank you. Some words from Isaiah and, and the Psalms. Trust in the Lord, for the Lord is an everlasting rock. Remember God in the days of your youth. The years go by all too quickly, and nature is indifferent to old age. Streams flow and fruit ripens. Enjoy what the Lord has provided, for it is your portion. If you find your true calling, it will be something you will enjoy doing. The wisdom of a prudent man is to discern his ways. 
but the way of a fool seems fine in his own eyes. Will God judge us for our timidity, for living life to the full, and yet not trusting him? For even the most routine of tasks, there will become a last time, and that's when we return to dust. As then we face our Maker, we will discover how wise we have been doing all our days under the sun. Amen. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength, and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him, who sits on the throne into the Lamb, be praise and honour and glory forever and ever. We thank you, Lord, that as we sing praises to you this morning, we're joining with the 10,000 times 10,000 in heaven who are singing for eternity um, around your throne. And thank you, Lord, that we know that our destiny is to be with you in eternity, singing your praises. And so, Lord, thank you that even though this life is fleeting and temporal and uh, comes to an end, Lord, we thank you for the hope, the certainty of that everlasting destiny in a new heaven and a new earth where we will be in your immediate presence. We, we just worship you and we proclaim you as King Jesus this morning. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Psalm 1 to 1. The Bible says, I lift up my eyes unto the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from the Lord that made the heavens and the earth. He will not let my feet be moved. He who keepeth me will not slumber. Behold, he who keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleep. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon his right hand. The sun shall not smite me by day, neither will the moon by night. The Lord will preserve me. The Lord will preserve us. The Lord will preserve us going out and are coming in in this summer, now and forevermore. Father Lord, I pray for every one of us as we go out in this summer. Father Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit and your power will go with us. The sun of the day will not smite us, neither will the moon by night. God, you will protect every one of us, O oh God, and our help will surely come from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your amazing love. We thank you, Father, that you gave us your only Son. We thank you, Jesus, the Lamb of God, that you went to the cross in our place. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you intercede for us when we don't have the words to say, that you live in us, with us, guiding us. We just thank you that you are with us every minute of every day. Would you accept our praises this morning, Lord? But we thank you also, Lord God, that you, you ask us to, or you instruct us to bring our cares to you. And so now, Lord, we, we pray, whether it's aloud or, or in our hearts, for those who, who need a special touch from you, whether it be for, for healing, whatever it is, Lord. So again, if uh, you wish to pray, if you're in the sanctuary, please um, raise your hand. If you're at home, do please mute and bring prayers of intercession before our God. Lord, we just thank you for the, the banner uh, in the sanctuary here from Psalm 116, which says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. And we thank you, Lord, that we uh, are able to celebrate uh, the life of Joan Dalton this Thursday. And uh, Lord, we thank you that she was and is precious to you. We thank you that Joan is with you now, Jesus, for eternity, that her soul is safely hid with you, and that she is enjoying the bliss of your presence without any suffering or pain and uh, lord one day her soul will be united to a resurrection body and live in a new heaven and a new earth but for now lord we thank you that joan is enjoying consciously your your presence and awaiting that day uh, when she will be raised up with that new resurrection body but lord we do we do pray for for ian and marcus and bob and the whole family lord as they prepare uh, for thursday and Lord, as we lift them before you, we also remember uh, Andy Butler and uh, Jenny and uh, Alan's funeral uh, on, on Thursday too. Lord, we ask again that you would just comfort them as they prepare for that funeral this Thursday. Be with them, um, just watch over them by your spirit. And Lord, through these services, I pray that glory, Jesus, would go to you, that some tuning in online or, or present in those services who do not know you will uh, be brought to conviction through your Holy Spirit about the temporary nature of life and about their own mortality and be brought to that place where they consider the gift of your eternal life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lord God, we thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for your listening ear. And thank you that nothing is impossible with you. You are all powerful. And you can deal with even the most impossible looking situations, whether they're in our own lives, in our families, in our community, in our nation, in our world. You are sovereign. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, um, Mark has, has prepared another all-age video for us, and we're going to see that now. Thank you. So, there was this young man who always wanted the latest and greatest gadgets. He felt they made him who he was and gave him significance and identity. But every time he got the next best thing, he saw someone with something even better. No matter what he got, he was never satisfied. He was angry and frustrated and worried about what he could get next. Then the man met a guy who had literally nothing, just the clothes he was wearing. But he was happy and content and didn't seem to have a care in the world. Trust God for everything because he is in control. We're created to have a relationship with God and to find secu our security in him. Possessions make no difference to our eternal destiny. The man explained that he trusted God for everything because God was in control. He explained that he had been created to be in a relationship with God and he found his significance in him. Worldly possessions made no difference to his eternal destiny and worrying about them couldn't extend his life. If we choose to trust God, our de destiny is eternity in heaven with God. Even when it gets tough, God is with us. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to carry on and do what we know is right. Our significance and security comes from God, not through possessions and status. So don't worry about this life. Make sure you know where you're going for eternity by trusting God. If you put your trust in possessions and wealth, your life will be full of frustration, jealousy and worry. You'll never find true satisfaction as this can only be found in a relationship with God. Money and possessions do not give eternal security. Worrying about them cannot extend your life. They don't even provide ultimate security in this life because they can get stolen or broken. There will always be the next greatest thing to get, but you'll never find fulfillment as this can only be found in God. So trust God because we cannot achieve anything by worrying, but we need to realize 
that God is in control. He has our eternal destiny in the palm of his hand. And we are created to be in a relationship with him. And that is the only place where we will find true peace. true and thank you for my thank you to mark for putting that together we are almost at the end of our series in ecclesiastes um, and uh, this week the the title is rejoice and remember and the reading is from um, chapter 11 verse 7 uh, up to verse 8 of chapter 12 and it's being read from the english standard version light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Father God, we ask for an anointing of your Holy Spirit on Martin as, as he brings us the word from you this morning, and on us as hearers and doers of that word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you, Alison, for, for leading us. Um, I came across this uh, quote from uh, 
uh, Terry Pratchett, I'm sure you've seen it before. Um, it says, uh, inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. Um, <laughs> I don't know how old uh, you feel inside, but it's probably uh, a lot younger than you actually are. Um, I'm into middle age now, um, and I, I like to think of myself inside as somewhere around the age of 28. I've kind of got stuck there, and uh, I'm quite happy to remain there, really. So um, one day I'll have to grow up and become mature, but uh, I'm happy at 28 inside anyway. I don't know, about, don't know about you, how old you feel inside, whatever your physical body is, is telling you. But the quote tells us, doesn't it, that there's a gap that opens up between how old we feel inside and our physical bodies. Anybody feel that? There's, there's, a, there's a kind of gap that opens up. Youthfulness leaves so quickly. Um, people tell me that the older you get, the less uh, that you remember. And so it's as if time speeds up. Is that true? Anyone? Yeah, maybe. Um, and entering old age is to arrive in a season beset by all manners of difficulties, pains and sorrows. Um, society doesn't deal with old age particularly well, does it? Um, it's been much in the news over lockdown about uh, care homes. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say we, we tend to glorify youth in our culture. Um, other more traditional cultures tend to value the, the, the wisdom of older people. Um, we in the West have tended to glorify youth and denigrate uh, old people almost, almost as, a, as a burden on society. Whereas in traditional cultures, um, for example, if you go, if you go to some uh, African cultures or Asian cultures, you will see there that the elderly are revered and uh, younger people sit at their feet and listen to their wisdom. Um, Western culture seeks to sort of deny the reality of aging. Um, it's all about beauty products, isn't it? It's all about keeping yourself looking uh, as young as you can for as long as you can. And if you're fortunate enough to live in Hollywood and have enough money, you, it seems that endless facelifts and work done on the physical body is done to keep one looking as young as possible for as long as possible. But there's also humour. Um, you, I don't know whether you remember uh, One Foot in the Grave uh, with Victor Meldrew. Um, he was a, a cantankerous old codger, wasn't he? Whose extreme grumpiness provided the humour of each episode. We, we never know what uh, Victor Meldrew was like as a young man, but we see him later in life as resolutely joyless and intolerant, despairing about life and the way people are. I hope None of you today uh, could, are, are like Victor Meldrew. I sincerely mean that. For Victor, it's always someone else who's in the wrong. He is very self-righteous, isn't he, and judgmental and critical and cynical. The only vitality and energy about him is the intensity of his annoyance and irritation at the state of the world and the failure of other people. He's lost all sight of any goodness and light and life and any sort of joy in life has been sapped out. He lives, as it were, shrouded in death. Old age has made Victor Meldrew the wrong kind of person, a cynical, bitter, joyless person. And I guess you might say that he wouldn't be happy until both feet 
are in the grave and not just one foot in the grave. But rather than living shrouded in death, Ecclesiastes teaches us to be shaped by death, um, to live life fully uh, in the here and now, in relationship with God, our creator. Now, some commentators have a problem with this passage because they consider that Solomon is a bit confused. Um, they say that on the one hand, he's warning us about aging and death, but on the other, he's telling us to enjoy life. And so Solomon is kind of a bit confused. But actually, I think there is just reality here. I think life is full of joy and blessings, um, and it's also full of the reality of aging and death. And Ecclesiastes and Solomon don't dodge these things. Um, he tells it as it is. Life is full of joy and pleasure, but there are all, there's also a lot of darkness in there too. That's reality. Um, whether you are old or young or somewhere in between, Ecclesiastes teaches us today to celebrate life today, the joys of life. Um, and Solomon gives us a series of calls that can help us to live well today, knowing that this life is transitory and will come to an end. Knowing that there are days of darkness coming, how should we live well today? Well, three things. Rejoice, remove, and remember. So first of all, we're going to look at rejoice in the sweetness and light of life. You ever heard um, that saying, they're all sweetness and light? Well, it kind of comes from Ecclesiastes, just in case you were wondering. Um, verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Oh boy, hasn't it been good to see the sun? Whew, these last few days to actually get out and uh, walk and, uh, you know, just feel the warmth of the sun on your face, to enjoy the beauty of hearing the birds singing, to get out in your garden and just sit there with a book and uh, just enjoy being in the sun. Doesn't it make you lift your spirits, make you feel good? It certainly does uh, me. And Solomon is saying here that there is much in life that is sweet and light. Um, there is much. Um, a rainbow. Uh, we've had a, we had a few rainbows recently, didn't we? Some beautiful rainbows lighting up the sky and people put them on their Facebook. Uh, just after the, after that, we had a period, didn't we, of showers and sun, and there were these amazing rainbows. Um, or, I'm, or I'm thinking perhaps of uh, of a campfire on a on a on a summer night, twinkling of, of the lights of home after a after a long journey. There is so much that is light in life, and there is so much that is sweet. Um, the taste of honey, the soft fold of skin on a baby's neck, the sound of the sweet spot of a cricket bat when it connects for a boundary. <laughs> there is so much in life that is sweet, isn't there, to, to rejoice in. And the call to rejoice is urgent because sweetness and light are not all there is to life, just in case you hadn't noticed. Verse 8, Solomon says this, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, 
but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. So if you've had a long life, or if you're having a long life, rejoice. Give thanks to God for the many days that he's given you to enjoy and continue to enjoy each day as it comes. Because you know that death is coming. Sooner or later, we will all suffer loss, disappointment, injustice, and grief. That's aging, isn't it? When Solomon tells us that we will have many dark days, he's not being cynical or trying to rob us of, of joy. He's saying, look, live your life fully by rejoicing in the gift of each day. We're not to take life for granted. Um, it's so easy to do that, isn't it? That there's a sense of entitlement in our time, isn't there? That everybody feels entitled to everything. Well, life is a gift. Every new day when the sun comes up is a gift of God. It's, a, it's God's mercy is new every morning. Every time with the breath in our body, the gift of the sunshine, the birds singing, it's a gift of a new day. So let's not become like Victor Meldrew, complaining about all our problems and missing all of the sweetness and light and goodness of God in creation. Let's not become cantankerous and cynical and irritable and judgmental as so many older people sometimes get. With the psalmist, we can say at the beginning of the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, that's something that you and I can say every day. Whatever our circumstances, however we feel, whatever's going on in our lives, this is a new day and God has made it and I will rejoice because God is worthy of my praise. We should note that Solomon does not chide young people for being young. Sometimes, um, not, not, all, not, all, not any of you, but sometimes older people will say, well, wait till you get old. You know, chiding young people as if, well, you know, I know better than you type thing. Don't forget one day you'll be old. What does Solomon say? Verse 9, he doesn't chide young people. He says, rejoice, O young man, in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. That's pretty positive, isn't it, from Solomon? If you're young, rejoice, enjoy your life um, in God. Be happy while you can, physically, mentally, relationally, Enjoy all the good gifts that life has for you, that God has given you, because one day the capacity and ability and desire to do these things will cease. And for all of us, one day God will bring us into judgment. Um, all of us one day will have to stand before God and give an account for the life that we've lived. And, you know, one of the commands of God is rejoice. <laughs> we don't think of rejoicing as a command, do we? We, like, we, we sort of think, well... Ten Commandments, yeah, we get that, but rejoice, are you sure? Yes. Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice. Thankfulness, gratitude, rejoicing, worshipping God are a command. We're to be people of joy 
If we're not people of joy, we are breaking the commandments. So there's one to add to your confession list. Right? We are called to be people who worship the Lord every day, who give thanks to God for the gifts that he gives us. Food on the table, sunshine, rain. Looks like it's going to rain today if it isn't already. All of these things are gifts of God. Are you a person of thanksgiving? Are you a person of gratitude? Are you a people, a person who's known for rejoicing? Or are you a bit cantankerous, a bit of a Victor Meldrew? Well, God would have us rejoice every day. Unbroken praise we've sung, haven't we? God is worthy of unbroken praise, continually at all times, in all places. So enjoy life as a gift of God now. Use your money, your gifts, your talents, your time, your skills to serve God today. <laughs> Wherever you work, whether it's in business, in sales, in teaching, in uh, the voluntary service, in the community, whether you're in full-time education yourself, in healthcare, wherever you are, whether you're a grandparent with family responsibilities, whatever you are, whatever you're called to be and do, do it to serve God. Do it to bring God glory. You see, if we're known, first of all, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus, and then if we work hard and to the best of our ability, if we are known as people who are kind and gentle and loving and generous, if we are known as people who are trustworthy and reliable, do you know who gets the glory? Jesus. If we are known first as disciples of Jesus, the way that you work, the way that you raise your family, the way that you relate to people, the way that you serve God in the church and in the community, if it's done in the fruit of the Spirit, with love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and so on, you will give glory to Jesus in the way that you work and serve. That's your purpose as a Christian, to bring him glory. This is how we make the most of our lives on earth. The reality of death and aging should shape our work and service today. It's the parable that Jesus told, isn't it, of the talents? You know, um, the more you've been given, the more we should invest in the kingdom. Whatever you have by way of money, by way of gifts, skills, talents, invest them, use them for the glory of Jesus, for the kingdom. So, first call, rejoice. Second call, remove vexation. Verse 10. Um, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life of vanity. Um, a vexation, that's not a word we use too much these days, is it? We might say, well, that vexes me, <laughs> but we don't talk about vexation too much. A vexation is any problem that causes us worry and concern and that angers, grieves or irritates us. Um, and that's probably quite a few things, isn't it? Um, it's not just a queue on the M25 or the self-service uh, thing in co-op isn't working again. Not just those things. 
It's the bitterness provoked by a hard and disappointing world. These can be physical pains. Um, physical pain, particularly as we age, can cause vexation, can cause, it affects our mood, doesn't it? Can cause us to become despondent, disillusioned. Um, there's also psychological pains. We've heard a lot, haven't we, about mental health uh, recently, and not surprisingly through lockdown. Um, it's, it's almost as if these problems are all under the surface and lockdown has surfaced them for people. We cannot remove most of the causes of our suffering, but we can choose how we respond to our suffering. We can be people who have a Victor Meldrew approach to suffering, and we moan and complain, and everybody else knows that we're in a bad mood because we dump it on them, yeah? We get up on the wrong side of the bed and things are aching, and everybody in the house or our friends are going to know about it. Um, we have anger, irritation, grief. That's a, a kind of negative response to all our problems, isn't it? That's the Victor Meldrew approach to life. We can become very easily despondent and dis disillusioned. But we should do, if we're tempted by these things to become despondent and irritable, and self-righteous and angry, we should do what Solomon calls us to do and count our blessings, right? There's an old hymn, wasn't it? Count your blessings one by one. That's such a, a great thing to do. You feel disabundant, disillusioned, down in the dumps. Start counting all your blessings in Christ and your perspective will change. Your circumstances may not change. Your psychological or physical pain may still be there, but it will give you a whole different perspective when you count your blessings. Um, one of the things I like to do is to uh, have a list of things that I can give thanks to God for every, every, every day before I get to the intercession, which is why I think it's really important in our worship that we start with praise, because that's where the Lord's Prayer starts, isn't it? We don't start with a list of, Lord, I need this fixed, that fixed, um, this person healed. And, you know, these are good prayers to pray. But first and foremost, we're to bring praise and thanksgiving to God before any petition or intercession, right? Which is why we should always begin with thanksgiving. Now, I appreciate there are some arrow emergency prayers. <laughs> you know, someone's in serious trouble. You, you kind of could skip the thanksgiving and just get straight to the help, right? We're allowed to do that. I'm just, generally, I'm talking here. And we should seek the help and support of other Christians. Um, you know, if, if, if someone's a really good Christian friend, they'll say, they'll say to you, look, you, I can tell you're a bit irritable. Should we pray about this? Or, come on. What's, what's really going on? You seem a bit angry, a bit vexed, if you want to use that phrase. Everybody's going to be going around using vexed now, aren't they? Are you, are you in vexation, brother, sister? Let me pray for you. <laughs> but no, Christian friends can, can give us some truth and can pray for us and support us, can't they? Third call, remember your creator, chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come 
and the years draw near of which you will say, I had no pleasure in them. Interesting that um, Solomon tells young people not just to remember God, but to remember their creator. Interesting, isn't it? Remembering our creator means remembering that God made a good world. Um, God looked at the world he'd made and he said, this is good. Um, we know that sin entered the world through Adam and Eve's fall, but the world that God made was good. And so there is still much in creation that we can rejoice in and give thanks to God for. Um, there's much that's good, and we should recognize that God is sovereign and he's the creator. But remembering God as creator means remembering that he is the creator and we are the created. We are the creatures. Our secular world ignores God as creator and basically has placed human beings as the pinnacle of creation. Have you noticed that? That human beings are, you know, the ultimate creation and everything has to revolve around what we can do to fix the world without any reference to God as sovereign creator. But this is reminding us we are not the creators. We are not in control. We are not sovereign over the world. God is. So remembering our creator is to remember first and foremost that God is sovereign and in control of our lives and of the world. It is about trusting in him. You are not, I am not in control of my life. I can make choices, but most of what happens to me is not in my sovereign control. It's how I respond to what happens to me that's important. So I find that releasing, actually, because I'm able then to fall into the arms of a loving God who cares for even the number of hairs on my head. And I can say, Lord, I don't have control, but you do. You love me. You're sovereign. And you who know when a sparrow falls from the sky are going to look after me even more. And that releases us from anxiety and from a need to control everything, right? A lot of anxiety comes from control, from a desire to fix things and, and have control over things. Folks, we don't have as much control as we think we do. God is sovereign. Um, Jesus had something very similar to say to Solomon on this. I love this passage. If you want a remedy for anxiety, here it is. Jesus, Matthew 6, verse 25. I'm not going to put this on the screen because it's a bit long. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not much more, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
Seek first his righteousness and his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love that. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So Jesus is saying, don't add to the trouble of the day by your, with your worry. Trust God. Place yourself in his hands. Stop trying to control things. Be released to rest in the Father's loving arms. He will care for you. He will provide for you for eternity. We should live our lives in God's service, trusting him that he's our creator and our provider. Why do we spend so many days, so many hours, worrying about the future, about things that we have no control over? <laughs> Seriously, we spend so much wasted energy and time worrying about things that will never happen. Why don't we just commit them into the hands of God in prayer and leave them there at the foot of the cross? One of the things that you and I can't control is the aging process. Um, despite all the surgery and cosmetics that are offered, um, particularly in uh, Western United States, we can't control the aging process. Um, and Solomon writes uh, a, a poem about this, verses two to four. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and the one rises up at the sound of a bird and all that the daughters of song are brought low. Uh, that's, it's an amazing um, little poem. Um, and aging is likened here to a dark, to a gathering storm. And, uh, <clears throat> The day and the night are darkened by clouds, the rain falls, the storm gathers, and it's as if aging is like one storm coming after another. There's not time to recover between the storms. Just, you just get one storm coming after another. When you're young, there's time for the sky to clear and to recover. But when you're old, it's as if one storm comes after another. The light of life grows dim. And in verses three to five, Solomon compares an aging body to a crumbling house. Um, the keepers of the house, the arms start to tremble. The strong men, the legs start to get bent with age. The windows, the eyes are dimmed by cataracts, general loss of vision. The doors are the ears that become deaf or hard of hearing. According to verse 4, older people have trouble sleeping. They're up with the first songbirds before dawn. According to verse 6, death is like the snapping of a silver cord and the shattering of a golden bowl. Why does he use those images? Well, because life is precious and fragile. And death means that something precious and beautiful is broken. Life is broken by death. And according to verse 7, death is to return to dust. We are made from the dust of the earth, and one day our bodies will go into the ground and our souls will return to God. But every death 
of a person is precious to God. I, I asked Marilyn to put up this banner. I'm sure she would have done it anyway because of uh, Joan's funeral this week. But I love this verse, Psalm 116, verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. Um, God loves his people. glad that we have the opportunity here on Thursday to come together and to celebrate the life of Joan Dalton with her family and friends, to give thanks to God for her life, her long life well lived, and to give thanks to God for all of those loved ones who've gone before. And uh, Mary and the family will be doing that on Thursday um, for, for Alan's funeral too. These people are precious to God and they, they continue to be precious to God beyond death. You see, the, God doesn't want us to live in fear, denial or bitterness about aging and death. It would be very easy to avoid the subject, wouldn't it? To never preach on aging and death. Our society largely avoids the subject or we talk about sort of the choice of ending our own life. Um, and that, has, that came up in Parliament recently, didn't it? That this, this whole legislation is coming before Parliament again about the choice to, to end life. And we as Christians need to oppose uh, this legislation. But it's not only the death of, his, of God's saints that is precious to him. We are precious to him throughout the process of aging. Um, supremely, we can remember God because he has remembered that we are finite creatures. Isn't it amazing that God himself became a frail, weak human being who suffered on the cross and suffered even death? And the one who empathizes with us in the weakness of our human body. Even Jesus became dust for us. He went through death. And he did this to reverse the curse of death. Genesis 3 uh, verse 19 says this. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return. Well, Jesus returned to the dust of the earth in death and rose again, breaking the curse of death, which, which is brought about by sin. And Jesus, through his resurrection, has brought to an end the futility of aging and death, and he's transformed it. He's destroyed the futility of death and the curse. And so Jesus supremely shapes our view of aging and death. Jesus said this, John 6, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. We can remember God, our creator, because he has remembered us in Jesus the Jesus who came to this earth and shared our frail humanity 
and even died is the same Jesus who has broken the curse of death and who offers you and I eternal life and who promises to raise us up with brand new resurrection bodies that will never again wear out or decay or suffer death or sickness. Hallelujah. It is true that the house of our earthly body is decaying and aging and will one day be destroyed. Paul says this, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, that's our body. But he goes on to say this gloriously, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know, one day we will have a brand new resurrection body. When Jesus comes on the last day, you will be raised up with a brand new physical body that will no longer age, no longer decay, no longer get sick, no longer die. That is what Jesus has done through the cross and his empty tomb. Do you know this Jesus? Have you accepted him into your life? Do you have this hope? Well, while we're aging in this body, there'll continue to be a disconnect. Our inner person will feel young while our physical body ages. But the good news is that through the Holy Spirit living in the Christian, we have hope. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Isn't that wonderful? You know, it's true, says Paul. Your outer self is wasting away, but you are being renewed. You are being made into the image of Christ more and more every day by the Holy Spirit. And one day when you meet with Christ face to face, you will be transformed into his perfect, sinless character. And that's why we celebrate that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. They have been transformed. In the presence of Jesus, they have become as he is, perfect, sinless. And one day they'll receive new resurrection bodies and their souls will be united to these uh, glorious, resurrected, glorified bodies. Some of you, um, some of you have hit that stage in life when friends you're at school at, friends in the church are passing away. And that's made you very aware of your own mortality. And you are suffering grief today because you look around and you you see friends who you've known for decades, for your whole lifetime, passing on. And perhaps you're one of those people who, who's a little bit fearful of your own mortality, or you've become despondent or downcast. Well, the word from God for you today is don't be downcast. Don't be despondent, because Christ has transformed death. There is eternal life. Beyond death, there is a gateway into eternity with Jesus through faith in him. One day, you will receive a brand new resurrected physical body that will never decay or die again. And every day, you are being renewed by the Holy Spirit into the image of Jesus until you meet him when you will be perfected. So we do not need to lose heart. It is absolutely natural and right that we grieve for those that we've lost and loved but we do not grieve as those without hope. We grieve as those who have a hope, a sure and certain hope 
in the resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word to us. Lord, I just want to lift before you today those who are feeling uh, downcast because uh, they're grieving for, for loved ones. Lord, it's right to grieve, but Lord, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And so, Lord, in amongst the tears and the sense of grief, I pray for hope. I pray for the comforting presence of your Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. And I pray, Lord, that in our aging, um, that we wouldn't become cantankerous or irritable or uh, Victor Meldrew-esque, but Lord, I pray that we would reflect more and more of the image and glory of Christ, that you would renew our spirit every day into the image of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be people of rejoicing every day, people who thank you at the beginning of each day for all of the blessings of life. May we be people of rejoicing, Lord, who put away, who get rid of vexation. May we remember our creator. May we trust in him, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling with anxiety today. Lord, help them to let go and let you be sovereign. Let you be their creator. Let you be their provider. Just thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Minister to us, your people now. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Um, appreciate it. this is a, a sensitive, difficult topic. So there may well be people who uh, just value someone coming alongside them. Um, we have a, a prayer room um, that you can get some prayer with somebody. Um, there'll be a, the number will come up at the end of the service. Uh, Maybe if you're in a different church, you just, I don't know, you just want to give somebody a, a, a call after the service and just pray with them over the phone or meet up with them some other time. But this is a, this is a, this is a sensitive subject and I, and I appreciate, you know, I'm treading on holy ground, but God, God wants us to have hope and not to lose heart. And that's the, the message that I want us to, to hold on to today. Thank you. Right. 
words the truth of what we've heard this morning that for those who acknowledge you who acknowledge Jesus who just live according to how he wants us to live how you want us to live you have promised that we will be with you for eternity and yes Lord that should flood us now with with unspeakable joy and so I pray Lord that each one of us We'll be able to take joy in the gifts that you, you give us throughout our lives. But to hold on to that true and sure and certain hope that one day we will be with you. You are amazing. Amen. As Martin has said, if, if you would value prayer, then um, the number is there to, to call if you're on Zoom. Um, and you'll be put into a breakout room. And... Uh, yeah, hope that you, you have a good week and we look forward to seeing you next week. <laughs>